Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Being in Israel this past week made me think a lot about Hanukkah. Uh, it is really such a great holiday, and it's a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, in Israel, I will say this: it's uh, it's been. Uh, it, I'm not typically in Israel during Hanukkah. I'm, I've oftentimes been there on Shavuot or Sukkot, or even the High Holy Days. I've been in Israel before, but. Hanukkah, a little bit of an off time. Of course, most American tourists, uh, Americans don't tend to be there over there uh, during that time. And uh, I, I missed the Hanukkah when we lived there for uh, a while. And in any case, Hanukkah is not so commercialized as it is, uh, as, as Christmas is here in the United States. You know, it's very commercialized Christmas in, in the United States. You all know that. If you go to the mall, you're not going to miss where everything, you know, this is decorated. It's a, the Christmas sales and everything, and it's all people. T- um, now, people, of course, anytime you walk around in Israel during Hanukkah, they'll always greet you. Oh, you know, Hanukkah Sameach. Uh, uh, have a happy Hanukkah, essentially. Uh, and that's uh, common. And uh, however, when you go to the malls in Israel, which I was at this week um, uh, during Hanukkah, uh, it's not like Hanukkah everywhere and, you know, Hanukkah Harry and all that kind of stuff <laughs> that, that we Jewish people in America are raised with Hanukkah Harry, right? Uh, and, uh, and so, but in any case, so it's not nearly as commercialized, but uh, there are some wonderful traditions and in every mall and usually about every restaurant uh, and, of course, every neighborhood, you have a Hanukkah up. You know, I remember when, we, when I went to the Fakasha restaurant, Oh, boy, I'm, I'm talking about food just a little bit to start here. I, so I may distract myself. I am jet-lagged, you understand. Man, that Fakasha place. Oh, my gosh. It's worth the ticket to Israel just to go to that Fakasha place. I am telling you, you've been to that Fakasha. Oh, man, that Fakasha bread. Oh, boy. In any case, even in the Fakasha restaurant, they've got the, uh, they've got the Hanukkah up there. And, of course, it's lit. And we saw all of our servers go over and light it. Uh, at the at, you know at, at a certain point and uh, while we were there and other places too of course uh, so it, it, it's definitely a feeling of Hanukkah but just not quite in the commercialization part as much but there's one tradition that is that is really big in Israel during Hanukkah and of course that is sufkaniot okay now let me let me just say for a minute if you don't know sufkaniot okay uh, it's donuts. And, and why donuts uh, for Hanukkah? Really, it's, it's actually for the exact same reason why we have latkes uh, during Hanukkah. Why? Because they're, they're made with oil, right? They got the oil that you do the, the donuts in and oil that you do the latkes in. And, uh, and why do we do the oil? Okay, you know, the Hanukkah, because the, 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 the oil that lasted eight days, you know that, uh, that story. Okay, and so that's why you see latkes, but especially Sufkaniyot, these donuts in Israel oof, during Hanukkah. And, and when I say donuts, friends, and when I say Sufkaniyot, oh man, y'all, I'm telling you what, you know, it's interesting because uh, oftentimes in America, we talk, we talk, people talk about the Sufkaniyot during Hanukkah, and, and uh, typically in America, they're, they're, these are typically, Sufkaniyot are filled donuts. And oftentimes in America, you see them jelly-filled or some kind of a jelly thing. Uh, in Israel, it's not so much jelly. They have some jelly-filled also, but there's different creams and chocolates and it's filled. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and, and so, right, yeah, and, and jelly. There's lots of things. 
And, and, and they are so, and, and, and I remember, this was just a few days ago, uh, during Hanukkah, we went to the mall, and of course, that you have your specialty bakers that are in every mall, these pastry shops and things. And, and there was this one that had the sufgani, and I'm telling you something, it was like, it, it was a mad rush for sufganiot. I mean, everywhere you look, people were like rushing the, up to the front to get there. And, and as quick as they could put them on these trays, they tried to fill these trays. As quick as they could fill the trays, man, whoosh, people were taking them in the boxes. They, they were packing them for us, of course, the staff. They were packing them for people. You know, one of those, one of those, one of those. They would pack them, pack them. And immediately some other person from a big tray in the back would replace them on the, on the tray in the front. It's wonderful, the season of Hanukkah, though, to, to think about what the Lord did for us. But as I was thinking about the beauty of Hanukkah uh, and about how lovely it was, and of course, uh, I spent a good bit of time in Jerusalem over the last few days, and being in Jerusalem is very special, of course, uh, yet I remember that it was God himself that uh, had disciplined our Jewish people by scattering us over the four corners of the earth. It's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic when we think about Hanukkah uh, because, of course, Hanukkah is a time where we took back over the nation of Israel uh, with the Maccabees and, uh, and held it. And, and really, that was the last time uh, the, the Maccabean dynasty, uh, Hasmoneans, that, that, that we had self-rule uh, of our people in Israel other, during, other, during, other than during a few years during the, the Great Revolt uh, until 1948. Uh, and so it's, it's an unbelievable span of time and is, and is a testimony to God's faithfulness. But I remember it too, because it's a strange dynamic to think about how God sustains us and how God delivered us and how God has brought us back. Yet at the same time, right, Deborah, he was the one who scattered us in this first place, right, to the four corners of the earth. And so there's this strange dynamic, but of course we know that the reason he scattered us to the four corners of the earth is because we were so incredibly disobedient to him. Uh, and, uh, and so there, but, but as you're there, you know, in Jerusalem and you're looking and you're, you're thinking about Hanukkah and then you're thinking about the modern day miracle of Israel, a great miracle happened here, right, Marian? Uh, and, and, and all these different thoughts that in some ways conflicting are, are going through your head and, and you're, and you're contemplating this, but we recognize that one day, God said that one day he would regather us back into the land of Israel. And so although he was the one who scattered us, he said specifically, one day I'm going to gather you all back into the land of Israel. But why? See, this is part of the interesting thing. Why would God gather us back after we had been so virulently disobedient to him and rejected him as our king? Why would he even want to bring us back? Now, of course, some of you may point out rightly to Genesis chapter 13 and 12. Okay, yes, when Abraham was promised the land of Israel, and fair enough, uh, no question about that. So God, purely out of his covenantal promise, would, would give us and bring us back to the land. Amen. I say yes and amen. Yes, that's true. No question about that. God is a covenant-keeping God. But truly, if you examine the scriptures, friends, it's more than that. It's more than that. And also, as I was reflecting upon it, y'all, I think that the more we can weigh into the why, the better, wait for it, we can relate to God. Uh, because as we see the dynamic of the relationship, it will give us insight as to how we should be approaching and should be interacting uh, with God and how God potentially feels about us and how we could best position ourselves to find favor in God's eyes. Wow, that's, that's a lot. We're going to unpack that here today at this Shabbat. Jeremiah chapter 31. We're going to spend you know, a good half the message in Jeremiah chapter 31. Um, so uh, if, you could, uh, if you'd like, you can turn to it in your Bible or your smartphone, <laughs> Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu, chapter 31. Let's examine the why. Why is it that God said he would bring us back to the land of Israel? This, this, what he said was a stiff-necked, rebellious people, yet, yet he said he would do it. And Jeremiah, of course, is 
almost the whole book is, is talking about how our people blew it and how we were going to be dis- disciplined. But yet, he also promises within Yermiahu Jeremiah that he would regather us again. Some of you, please, God, are coming with me to Israel next year, where we have, you know, we've had tours planned for a while now, different tours that have been pushed off. I was talking to somebody there uh, before the service and, uh, uh, and said, well, hopefully we'll get to go this year. I was, uh, it was a blessing to be able to sneak in, and now they closed it again, but I think that they're going to open it again uh, soon. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 1, thus says Adonai, so here's the God talking, The people surviving the sword found grace in the wilderness where I gave Israel rest. This is talking about the Jewish people. From afar, Adonai appeared to me. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Hmm, interesting. Being... Uh, being right there, you know, when you're right there in the land, of course, also, it made me reflect on God's love for his people. He says it's out of his love for his people because here I was standing back in the Jewish homeland that was promised to our people around 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago. It's unbelievable that this is how long ago that God promised Abraham and his heirs his descendants through, through Isaac and Jacob, the Jewish people, that would, that would inherit this, this land. It was, the, it was a land grant. It was a deeded land grant from, from Hashem uh, to the Jewish people. And here I was sitting and standing in the land with the, with the blue and white flag. After 4,000 years, it's an amazing testimony of the truth of the word of God, friends. Nothing could prove the word of God more than when you stand in the land of Israel. Just to, and when you see the land of Israel, you don't even have to stand in it. Just to see it, to know that God is a promise keeper. No doubt about that. But, but, but also, beloved, I want for you to sense within this passage the essence of God's feeling feelings for his people. I want you to feel a little bit more than just a perfunctory contractual obligation that God says, well, I promise you have the deed to the land and I promise so I'll bring you back. Okay, that's all well and good. That's nice. For sure, God keeps his covenants. But, but it's, it's more than that. If you really read the, the text, Okay, I want for you to sense within this here the essence of, God feel, of God's feelings for his people. He says that he loves us with, quote, an everlasting love. An everlasting love, wow. With loving kindness, it says. With loving kindness, he loves us. He loves us. This is deep. This is foundational, my friends. This is, this is a, a, in some ways, even more significant than purely a contract. It's out of his eternal, everlasting love, an everlasting love. I want for you to think about this some. I want for you to consider, I'm asking each of you, and you who are watching online, listening on the podcast, to think in particular about the tone of these comments. Why? As we're going to walk through this more and more, it's going to become evident to us how this applies to us, my friends. Think about the tone of the comments of God. This is the almighty creator. It says, thus says Adonai. It's God himself talking. And, and think about the heart of these comments. What does this convey to you about the heart of God toward Israel? The heart of God toward Israel. It's more than just something contractual. Contractual. It's, it's more than that. You sense God when he says this. This is not shallow. Friends, this is profound. This is profound. It's profoundly deep. It's especially deep and profound when you consider that God is the one who disciplined us to start with. He wasn't saying these things to us when, you know, in the good times during the honeymoon. (laughs) You know, at Sinai, it was an awfully short honeymoon. (laughs) Our people built the golden calf before Moses got off the mountain, man. Are you kidding me? I mean, that, that's, 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 somebody, that, that's a marriage that, that, that you already got the, 
the bride cheating on the groom on the wedding day. It's, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And yet, God says here what he says about the Jewish people and everlasting love. Let's examine more of what God says to his people a few verses later. Listen, I want you to listen as we read this. I want you to listen in particular to the heart, for, listen, for the heart of God toward his people. Feel the, the feeling that God is emoting here towards Israel. Verse 7 of Jeremiah chapter 31. He says to the Jewish people, Behold, I will bring them from the north country, and I will gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant together with she who is in labor with child. A great throng will return here with weeping and supplications. They will come. I will bring them, leading them to walk by streams of water on a straight path where they will not stumble. For I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of Adonai, O nations, and declare it in the distant lands, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather and watch over him as a shepherd does his flock. Amen is right. Wow. Wow. What, what a... That's, as a side note, you hear that. You read that. You read what the Word of God, what the, the creator of the universe says right there. And as a side note, Iran is messing with the wrong people. Pray for our leaders, y'all. Pray for our leaders and Israel's leaders in the situation with Iran. It's, it's, it's much more intense than, uh, you're not hearing it as much even on American news as you probably should be right now. Because candidly, the leaders of the world right now are demonstrating incredible weakness. Incredible weakness. Anyone, anyone who understands a Middle East mentality knows this anyone. Pray for Israel, friends. Israel may have to stand alone in this. I pray not. Man, I'm praying that America is with her. I'm praying that other countries, uh, I, I'm hearing some things that Britain, and, Britain actually, uh, and, uh, and, and France even, uh, may, may be becoming more sympathetic to the Israeli view. But, but the point is, is that I, I'm, not, I'm not really counting on it. Israel may have to stand alone in this uh, thing with, with the, I mean, listen, pray for the situation. Pray for Israel. Pray for the IDF. Pray for, for the Lord's will uh, and pray for protection. Pray for our country to stand with the nation of Israel. Someone say amen. amen. You're with me. But see also within these passages right here, right? In, in Jeremiah chapter 31, see within these passages how God refers to Israel in relation to himself. Do you notice here? Again, not purely contractual. Yes, there's the contract with Abraham, the covenant. No doubt about that. Established, given, fair, true, dainu. It's really enough. But more than this, what is this? There's some relational aspect that God has with Israel. He says specifically of this people group, I am Israel's Father. Wow. To this specific people group, he's saying that I am Israel's father. Wow. It's powerful. It's intimate. Think about what this connotes, my friend. Think about what this means. A father loves and protects his children. He loves them in a way that is deep and powerful. This is key to understanding God's love for the Jewish people is to understand his heart that he expresses oftentimes in Scripture in spite of the fact that he has to discipline them as a father typically will have to do with his children. But a father who disciplines his children does not do so because he hates his child. A father disciplines his children because he loves his children. That's why he disciplines them. You know, the, the child doesn't, doesn't feel too great about it at the moment. My kids didn't particularly like it at the moment. My kids are 
I'm working in the production room. I got one of them working downstairs in the production room. Um, my, my family is actually in the production room. The wife, the Revitson is working in the production A lot of people working right now to get the stream going uh, this week. But the point is, is that the kids didn't feel always like it was uh, a pleasant thing. It wasn't a pleasant thing. It wasn't a pleasant thing for me either. It's not a pleasant thing for God when he had to discipline Israel. It's not a pleasant thing for God when he has to discipline us. Doesn't feel too good to us either. But it's out of love. It's because he loves us, and such is the case with Israel. He loves them in this deep and powerful way. And he readily admits that he scattered us. He says, I was the one who scattered you. He says it explicitly. Of course, we know that. But in the context of him talking about his fathering the Jewish people and of his eternal love for the Jewish people and him drawing back the Jewish people, yet he readily says within the same context, I'm the one who scattered them. So he readily admits, he's, but yes, he watches over us. And then what does he say? He watches over us like a shepherd does his flock. Listen, you're going to help. If you see you know, a, a random lamb out, you, you might take a look around and see, oh, who does this lamb belong to? And you're, you, you're going to help out some. But friends, if it's your flock, you're going to protect that flock. You, you, you got your rod and your staff. And you're going to protect that flock, no doubt. A shepherd's complete job is to look after the flock. That's the, that's the role of a shepherd. See, even, even more than the nuances of what is said, I want you to pay attention and to notice the tone of the relationship. The tone of this relationship, which is a very intimate, familial relationship between God and Israel and God and the Jewish people. And God continues the same theme. Let's skip down to verse 19 of Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 19. God says, is Ephraim a precious son to me? Is he a delightful child? For as often as I spoke against him, I still certainly remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have compassion on him. It is a declaration of Adonai. Ooh. Man, that's powerful. It's unbelievable. I don't even understand that. When I think of the God and the Jewish people dynamic, I feel blown away that God forgives us and loves us and wanted to bring us back into our own land and fulfill the covenant that he has with us and that he promised us. I feel honored that he would do that, that he loves us, that he, that he is fulfilling the covenant. He made a covenant with our people. He's bringing us back just like he promised. Dainu! Right? We say, no, I know it's the wrong holiday. We're, this is Hanukkah, Rabbi. It's not Passover. I understand. I understand. Now I'm thinking of Passover food. I like a good matzo ball soup. You got to try the Marietta Diner. Ooh, boy, they got some good matzo balls. Oh, so some of you know. Okay, yeah, matzo ball soup at the Marietta Diner. I don't mind giving them a plug because, oh, man, just keep making that matzo ball soup, Marietta Diner. It's a blessing to us all. It's not in the message. Okay. <laughs> it's enough, Dainu. It's enough that he, that he merely made a covenant with us to start with and, uh, and then kept it and, and brought us back to the land even though we were disobedient. It's enough, Dainu. But then here God says that his heart, his heart yearns for us as his child. What? His heart yearns for us. He yearns for us. What? Carlos, you know, when I, when I hear that, when I read that, and I think about all that we did, it seems over the top to me, honestly. You know, it's, it's, the, the young people would say extra. <laughs> it's like, what? Really? I mean, okay. It's enough that you love us and you're kind to us and that you brought us back, and okay, Dainu, that's really enough. I mean, my gosh, we didn't even deserve that at all. Yet, it says that you yearn 
For us? Hello, do you know who we are? <laughs> Have you seen what we've done? Have you seen what we've said? Have you seen how we've turned our backs on you? Have you seen how we've been disobedient to you? Have you seen how we have we've not followed you? And you yearn for us? Yearn is a strong word. You yearn for us? Why in the world, given what we did to him, would God even yearn for us and call us his children? It's unreal. It's unreal to me. You know, Deb, I don't have a, I don't have a complete answer for this. This is not like something where I'm going to say, now, here totally is why God really should be yearning for us. No, I don't really have the answer. It's out of God's incredible goodness and his mercy that we don't deserve his grace, right? That, that he does this. But yet, at the same time, he does. And, and, and it's out of this, and it's important to note, this is going to relate to all of us. It's important to know if this is somehow connected to his, that familial relationship with him as our father. Because he specifically says yet again in that passage, do I call him son? Yes, he is my son. Friends, this is part of God's favor. God favors his children. But you see, friends, this is how I suggest we all seek to relate to God. This is how, now hear what I'm saying. This is how I suggest we all seek to relate to God, all of us. But some of you might be asking and, and, and contemplating even in your head, even out of your complete love, for Israel and the Jewish people, for some of you who come from a non-Jewish background here, from a Gentile background, you might be thinking, wow, that's, that's beautiful and that's, that's intimate and that's special. And, I, and, and, and if it's God's heart, then it's my heart too. Because if God loves the Jewish people like this, then I love God. I love the Jewish people like that too. I yearn for this as well. Okay, good. Good. You have a heart for what God has a heart for. Good for you. That's wonderful. I mean, I, I sincerely applaud that. That's great. It's probably one of the reasons you're called to this place if you come from a non-Jewish background, for sure. But friends, don't feel left out from what God is, from what I'm trying to share with you even about this very topic. You shouldn't feel left out because listen to what God says through Rabbi Shaul. Now I'm gonna go to Romans chapter nine, please. Romans chapter nine. Paul the Shaliach, the emissary um, and Romans chapter 9 says something very interesting that relates to everybody here. Yes, Jew and Gentile, because all this has been focused and speaking about Israel, right? The Jewish people. But God says something else through Rabbi Shaul. And it's actually not even just through Rabbi Shaul. It's through one of the Jewish prophets, Hosea. Hosea. So let's see. Romans chapter 9, verse 24 we read, and Paul says this, even us, he called. Okay, so he's called us, not only from the Jewish people, but also from the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call those who are not my people, my people. And her who was not loved, beloved. And it shall be that in the, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called, wait for it, sons of the living God. Whew. If you come from a non-Jewish background out there, you should say amen, <laughs> right? Because through the Messiah Yeshua, all have been brought near unto him. All of us. Do you notice he's speaking specifically to the Gentiles here? And he's saying, hey, you listen, you who are not my people in Messiah Yeshua, you are my people. You who were not loved, you understand that in the whole Tanakh and the Old Covenant, the people who were following the one true God were the Jewish people. What about the rest of the nations? Well, this was part of God's eternal plan to bring them in as well which is why Messiah Yeshua came, why the Jewish people 
did not, were, had blinders, did not completely see the truth of Yeshua as the Messiah, why the word spread to the Gentiles. Now, they had a job to do to make Israel envious, which again, they have failed on for sure understatement. But still, the, the, the point is, is that the word went out to them as well. And it says specifically, Paul says here, what? That they are to be called what? They shall be called sons of the living God. What is that? That's children. That's children. And if, and if you are a son or you are a daughter, then who is God? He is your father. He is your father. This is this familial relationship this dynamic between the, the people of God and God himself that has been extended in terms of relationship to Jew and Gentile alike. Absolutely beautiful. All of us, Jew and Gentile, can be called children of the living God. This is very, very important for you to know and to understand. And, and intellectually, for just a moment or two, you may say, okay, I get it. Okay, that's nice, Rabbi. No, 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 no. No. Allow it to sink in because there is some significant depth to this and ramifications to this if you apply it to your life. Because if we are to receive the grace and mercy of the Lord, we have to start looking at him more and more as our father. Remember, this is the dynamic that God himself identified in the scriptures as a lot of the rationale as to why God drew us back to the land of Israel and, and, and rescued us from, from slavery and from bondage and from being scattered, why he's kept his covenant with us. Aside from just the fact that he's covenant keeping, again, what's enough, but when he's talking about it, he speaks of it in a language that's, that's much more emotive. The, the tone is, is, is much deeper. It's, it's a connection. He says he yearns for us as a child. He yearns for us. You see, this is part of why our people have found this favor with God over the years is because God looks at us and feels like we're his kids. And he is our father. And, and then we read here in, in Romans chapter 9 that that is extended to the Gentile believers and followers of God as well. Very, very powerful. Yes, he is our God and Lord without question. But what seemed to tug at his heartstrings is how he feels about us as his children. If we relate to him as sons and daughters... It makes him, if you relate to him as a son or daughter, it makes him yearn to be with you, right? It makes him yearn to be, yearn. Yearn means, means to urgently desire. He urgently desires to be with you. All too often we think of God purely in the role of creator and master of the world. And no doubt, friends, he is that. Without question, he is that. But if we seek to relate to him and, uh, and more and more as our father, it changes, it changes the relational dynamic and increases the chance that we find mercy. See, that's what we're looking for. We need mercy, friends, from God. We need God's mercy. If you want God's mercy, relate to him as his son or daughter. Relate to him as his son or daughter. You know, it's interesting. Politics aside, I, I, I want to give you a, a something that came to mind illustratively about this very topic. Again, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. I just want you to think of the principle of this. President Joe Biden, we all know, is the most powerful man in the world today, the most powerful person in the world today, the President of the United States. Joe Biden, very powerful. And it's said that only a, a few people have direct access to him. But again, like his politics or not, he's publicly stated, publicly, he tweeted this out, he has only one rule about his phone. It's, he said it's a hard rule about his phone. No matter how important the meeting, he says he'll always answer a call from his grandchildren always will answer a call from his grandchildren. Now, I. I want you to think about what this shows. 
I, I want you to think about this and how it relates to, to God and what we just read in the scriptures, right? If you want to spend time with the king, right? If you want to spend time with the king, don't spend time trying to negotiate with him as a lawyer would. Some people try to pull this game when it comes to God. They try to relate to him like a lawyer would. Well, hold on. Let's see. Uh, you know, the, the 415th commandment says this, but how does that relate? I think I can get away with it, even though the 415th says this, because the 512th says that. And if I take that, I think I can get away with it. No, 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 come on, you missed it. Don't, don't, don't try to play games with God. Well, I just did this because I didn't have a... Don't try to be a lawyer with God. You're relating to him on the wrong level. Don't try to be legalistic and look for loopholes in judgment. Some people think that the, that the way that they get God's favor is by davening and, 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 and reading just certain rote liturgy that, 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 that means nothing to them, that they don't even understand the language it's written in. And that's the way to relate. That's not a way to relate to your father. Come on. This is one of the reasons, by the way, when we do liturgy here at Bethel, we're always going to translate it to English. Why? You got to know what you're saying. You got to know the meaning of, of these prayers. They're beautiful. They're ancient. They're important. Many of them come from straight from the word of God. I love them. Cameron did a great job with, with them today, right? But the point is we got to understand what they mean. So many, so many people, so many of my people here in America will know some of the blessings and prayers by heart, but they don't know what they, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what it means. I just know that it's the prayer that I'm supposed to do. That's no way to relate to your father, if you come to God as your father, it will change the dynamic of your relationship. Why? Because he will take your call. He will take your call. He cares for you. Because you, you got to realize that, that you're not just a nobody. You're a prince or a princess to the king because that's your father. The king's your father. So yes, he's the king for sure. And, and listen, you all respect him as king, but he's also your dad. He's also your spiritual dad. And so, hey, listen, yeah, you can call. You can call him. He'll pick up your call, right? Because you're one of the kids. See, that changes the dynamic. It changes the whole way you kind of almost look at God even. Because you're the, you're the son or the daughter of the most high, the top guy. And we don't have to fear. <laughs> that came from one of Phil Klein's songs. Okay, this all is key when you're praying to God or even relating to God. It makes our faith, if you think about God this way, y'all, it makes our faith much less about religion. Religion, iconography, and all this stuff that you see mixed up in, in kind of the more the orthodox uh, variant of Christianity, and uh, that, that's that's not that's not it. This is not this is not it. This this is about a relationship. It's not about religion. What no, and, and 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 this relationship is the key to understanding God. If you listen to the words of God, uh, you'll see the dynamic of this relationship being the key. Uh, if you listen to the words of Yeshua himself, most often when referring to God, Yeshua refers to him as Father. This is what Yeshua does. But you might say, well, yes, Yeshua is the Son of God. Of course, he would call him his Father. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I, I give you that. But Yeshua also refers to God the Father as your Father, not just his father. How do, I'll give you just a very, very obvious evidence of that. In Matthew chapter 6, this was part of the musician's final song. They had no uh, idea. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, this is Yeshua speaking here. And what does Yeshua teach us? This is very important to understand relationally. Part of why he says this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, Yeshua says this. He's teaching us. He says, and when you are praying, do not babble on and on like the pagans. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. <laughs> do not be like them, for your father, your father knows what you need 
before you ask him. Therefore, pray in this way. And then he proceeds to, to give us the Lord's Prayer, what's referred to as the Lord's Prayer, right? As an example of how we are to pray. It doesn't mean that that is a rote prayer that we all have to recite the exact words. And that's, that's, that. this is a pattern that he's giving us. He's giving us an example, but, but within the example, what's the first part of the prayer as he gives an example? He says, you pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or sanctified be your name. He, think about this. Wow, this is deep, man, to see how this all connects, right? This is the very way that Yeshua teaches us to relate to our creator. He teaches us to relate to him as our father, even in Yeshua's guidance for us in our prayer time. This is breathtaking, friends. It really is. And at the same time, at the same time, of course, we recognize and we know and we acknowledge that, yes, he is God. It's one of the reasons that I love when during our High Holy Days, our, our cantorial chorale, which does such a great job. I love when you guys, oh, do the liturgy. It's some of my favorite part of the year. You know, there's, there's sometimes that I wish that there are moments that I, I think, boy, I wish I just didn't have to give a message and think about that because I would just like to solely focus on this incredible music, but I know I got to give a message, so I'm a little bit distracted, but man, I just love listening to, that's why it's available now on CD, and, and I love it, it's, it's called Atonement, a CD they made of their, of their beautiful uh, High Holy Day chorale, but I love during the High Holy Days when we, when we chant the beautiful Avinu Malkenu. what is that? Our Father, our King, oh, you see, that gets to it, ooh, Oh, right, Deborah, that gets to it, man. That excites me. Our Father, our King, because within this, Avinu Malkinu. Oh, I just had to remember it for a moment. It's so beautiful. Within this, we see the dynamic of, of our relationship with God because He is our King. And we can never take that for granted. And, and you know, and even, even the prince just doesn't go up and slap the king around and, and not do what the king says. No, 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 the prince better be doing what the king says, if, 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 you know, for sure. But at the same time, he's also our father. You know, our father, Avinu Malkenu, our father, our king. He is both uh, Av, our, he's our, our father, and he is Melech, he is king. Oh, and that's so beautiful. And understanding the dynamic of both within our lives whoo, just makes it so, so full. He's very much both. So friends, when you pray, when you pray in your, when you're praying, when you're in, praying in your mind, think of God as your father. When you sin and need to repent, think of God as your father. It changes the feeling of how you will repent. Some of you, you know, it's not about going to a, a confessional booth and just, and just simply saying, forgive me, I've sinned, and here's a list of sins. It's much deeper than that. It's, the relationship ought to be much deeper than this, right? As you would your father when you, when you need to confess. You know, you go to your father, you're like, oh, dad, I'm so sorry. Oh, boy, I got something to tell you, and you don't really want to tell him, but you know you have to tell him. And you know it's going to be better if you get it out, even though you don't really want to. And you're like, oh, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I messed up. Please forgive me, Daddy. See, this is how we should be relating to God. It's, it's a whole different way of looking at repentance. And, and you're like, Dad, oh, will you please, can I still please have the keys to the car, even though I put a big dent in your car. Can I still please have the keys? I, I know that I messed up. I'll, I'm going to be more careful next time. I promise. I'm so sorry. Can I please? I mean, you know, it's a totally different thing than a rote, you know, I'm sorry I have sinned. I have, you know. Do you see the dynamic, the depth of the difference when you're looking at God as your father, right? Oh, it's, it's a whole, and, and you know what? You're going to be much more likely to get that response from God. Remember what we read in Jeremiah. You're much more likely going to get, God's going to say, oh, 
Hold on, you, you dented up the, the car, son. What in the world you did? I told you not to, not to, do, to do this. You had to stop fully at a stop sign. And you didn't stop fully at the stop sign. I told you to stop at that stop sign. It was right there in the Bible. I told you, and yet you didn't do it. I'm so sorry, Daddy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I, I realize that I'm not going to do it again. Please forgive me, Daddy. Can I, can I please? Is there a possibility for me? Well... I sure do love you, son. You know, and you know, it's like you're going to be much more likely to get some favor if you relate to him as your father. Fathers love their kids; they want the best for their kids. If dad thinks that you really have repented, if he thinks you really learned your lesson, okay, he's probably more likely to give you the keys back. Okay, do you see how this changes when when you pray for healing? Think of God as your father. You know, this is not just some. A foreign deity like Athena or Zeus or something that you know doesn't care about you. No, that's those are false gods. Those are myths. No, this is your father who who loves you. God, please heal me. I'm I'm really hurting right now. God, I'm 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 having difficulty breathing, or I've got this issue with my leg. Oh, Daddy, please help me, please, Dad. Father, help me, please, God, heal me, please. I'm asking you, as your son, as your daughter. You see how it changes. It just changes the dynamic of how you approach. I'm not saying it has to be in those words. You can still use words, you know, God, dear God, please heal me. But, but the heart of your tone ought to be one that's relational, if you will. When you feel alone or hurting, think of God as your father. People think, oh, God, when, when your people are lonely all the time. Have you seen the pandemic? People have been, people have been hurting and depressed and lonely. You relate to, they relate to God is way up there. No, 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 no. He's your father. God, I want to dial you up. Lord, I need you. I feel lonely. I'm hurting. I'm depressed. Oh, God, you're my dad. Please just help me, Lord. Heal me. Touch me. God, encourage me. When you ask for something, think of God as your father. A father loves to give good gifts to his children. You see this? This all relates to everything, my friends. So on this Hanukkah Shabbat, I think about how God saved our people. Yet again, we recall how God saved our people from destruction. This is the story of Hanukkah. Yet even in spite of our plentiful sins, as Israel had plentiful sins, right? He loves us with an everlasting love. Why? Because he is our father, even if he has to discipline us on occasion. Remarkably, he yearns for us. He yearns for you. Yes, you, not me. Yes, you. He yearns for you. When you approach him, think about how you would approach your father, a good father. He wants to give you sufganiot. <laughs> and also remember to give him love and affection as you would your father. Oh, you see your father, you just want to give him a big hug if, it's, if he was a good dad. You just want to give him a big hug, hug and tell him you love him? Do that to your heavenly father. He tells us to come to him as a child. So let's purpose to do this. The title of my message actually is Sons and Daughters. Yeah, let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you have never committed your life to God, how about today? Woo! to be a child of God. You have that opportunity. If you're here and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, but you'd like to, raise your hand and we'll pray together. If you've never given your life to God, but you'd like to, just wave your hand to me and we'll pray together. Yeah. Yes, yes. If that's you, don't hesitate. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you're watching online or listening on the podcast. If that's you, you've never turned your life over to God, repeat this prayer after me, after me, and God will change you, and you'll become one of his children. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I accept Yeshua into my heart as my Messiah. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. I'm so sorry that I've sinned, God. I'm sorry that I've sinned. Father, I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you. In Yeshua's name, if you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. If you're watching online, if you're here, please see me after the service if I missed you in your hand. 
Lord, I pray for our congregation. Lord, I pray. It's one of the reasons why I'll often say, Avinu Hashemayim, our Father, Lord, Lord in heaven. I, Lord, I come to you, Lord, as Avinu, as my Father, as our Father. Avi. Lord, I, I just ask you to touch us. God, touch our little kahila, our little congregation. Lord, we're just a, we're just a small little group here in, in Roswell and across the internet. So, Lord, please touch us, God. Heal us where we need to be healed. Correct us where we need to be corrected, Lord. Touch us. We love you. Lord, I pray that you give each person who's here and who's watching and listening online, I pray that you give us all a view of you as our Father and relate to you as such and that that will be transformative. Uh, thank you for this, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. V'shem Yeshua. Amen and amen. Hanukkah Sameach. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.